Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Well, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25, which is all about the birth of Jesus. But before we do that, we need to understand something of the historical context. You will remember that time that the, that the Romans had invaded Israel and were oppressing them and exploiting them through very high taxes and the like. And so the, the Jews were turning back to their scriptures, to those prophecies of old, and reinterpreting them in light of their current situation. They were particularly focusing on the prophecies about how one of David's descendants, whom they called the Messiah, would would rule over the whole world and would bring peace and justice. And so, for example, they looked at, the, at Isaiah's prophecies that were written 700 years before the birth of Jesus and how Isaiah says in, verse, in chapter 7 and verse 14, And therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, this prophecy found partial fulfillment in Isaiah's own day with the birth of the king Hezekiah. A virgin would have got married and then would have conceived in a most natural way and given birth to King Hezekiah, who himself was a descendant of King David. However, this prophecy ultimately pointed forward to the ultimate son of David, the Messiah, who would literally be born of a virgin and who would literally be Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. And in, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the prophet, speaking of the same child, says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so the, the, the people of God were waiting longing and hoping for God to fulfill these prophecies. For God to intervene, to step into human history through His Messiah and put the world to right. And it's within this context that we pick up our Bible reading in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25, and Ezra is going to come forward and, and read the Bible to us this morning. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have the Son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the, his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Well, I can't believe it. He's going to marry that tart and keep that bastard baby as his own? What a scandal. You see, Joseph and I, we've been friends all our life. We went to school together. And every Sabbath, we would go to the synagogue together. And then after school, when we left school, and Joseph went off to do his apprenticeship as a carpenter, we would still meet up every evening we were part of a group called the Friends. And what we would do every evening is we'd meet up to study the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and to have a, a theological discussion about the Bible. Any devoted Jew would be part of such a group. You see, these are dark times. I mean, everybody seems to just do whatever they please. And, and there's so much greed and evil in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like everyone's turned their backs on God, and so God's turned his back on us. And as a result, the, the Romans are now exploiting us. And so as faithful Jews, we are waiting. Waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Waiting for God to intervene, to step into time and space, into human history through his Messiah. And sort everything out. And kick those Romans out. But of course that's not going to happen. Until we first save ourselves. Until we first purify ourselves. And the way we do that. Is by obeying every single law of the law of Moses. Which is found in the Bible. Right down to the tiniest details. Then. And only then will God intervene. And Joseph knows this. He, he's a devout Jew. That's why he was so excited when he found out that his parents had organized with Mary's parents that they would get married. I can still remember that, that, that time. I mean, Mary must have been about, oh, only about 12 years old at the time. And even back then, you could tell that she had a real passion for God. Sure, she was quite a looker, but her real beauty and the thing that captivated Joseph was her deep devotion and passion for God. This was a marriage made in heaven. I can still remember them on their engagement day. Mary was about 14 years old then. They were so happy. She was beaming with a mixture of anxiety and excitement like any teenager on their day of their engagement. 
Joseph, being a little bit more mature, he was about 18, kind of just took it all in his stride. But I could tell that even he was really stoked with his bride. By the way, engagements in my culture are a big deal. Unlike your wishy-washy engagements. No offense. But in my culture, an engagement is a big deal. When you get engaged, there is a massive ceremony. The whole village is invited. And then you exchange oaths to one another. And then there's a financial agreement. Uh, you have to decide how much money the groom's going to be paying the father-in-law. And it's a legally binding contract that can only be broken by divorce or death. And so it is a very big deal. However, when you get engaged, the, the couple, the guy and the girl, still continue to live with their parents for a whole year of the engagement until the wedding day. Only then do they come together. And then there's another big celebration followed by an even bigger party. And then, and only then, does the girl go home with her husband. And then, and only then, will they consummate their marriage. During the engagement, if they ever see each other, there is always a chaperone there to ensure their purity. So you can only imagine how shocked we were when we discovered that sweet little Mary wasn't as innocent as she looked. Poor Joseph was so devastated. I've never seen him so distraught. He's normally so calm and collective, but he just kind of totally lost it. He kept yelling, How could she do this to me? Over and over again. And he went through all the stages of grief. Firstly, there was denial. It, it, it can't be true. It, it, she can't be pregnant. It, it must be a mistake. I was like, there's no doubt in it. She's, she's pregnant, all right. And then there was the anger. I'm going to stone that tart myself. I was like, calm down, calm down. Eventually, he did calm down and he came to the point of acceptance. Mary is a tart. The worst part of it, she never told us who the guy was. It, it was as if she was trying to protect this, this guy who seduced her by coming up with this far-fetched story about a, a, a dream and an angel and the Holy Spirit, and, and now she's pregnant. Like, yeah, right. Joseph kept saying, like, what does she take me for? Does she take me for a fool? Am I supposed to believe that the, the Holy Spirit created a baby within her womb and that she's the, the, the virgin from Isaiah's prophecy and, and the baby in her womb is Emmanuel, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us? Does she think I was born yesterday? But I knew when he finally calmed down, he would do the right thing. 
the honourable thing, and divorce her. In fact, he had no other option. Our culture and our law demands that you divorce the adulterous and the unfaithful fiancé. Well, in fact, our law actually says you should stone to death the adulterous and unfaithful fiancé. But the Romans these days won't let us go around killing people without their permission. And nobody wants to work with the Romans. And so the common practice these days is just to divorce them publicly and to shame them in front of everyone. And then it's up to the mob whether they will take the law into their own hands or not. But I could tell Joseph was having this internal struggle. On the one hand, he's wanting to do the right thing, the honorable thing. But on the other hand, he was wanting to show compassion to Mary. And so I said to him, why, why are you hesitating? Divorce her publicly. Shame her because she has brought shame on you. She's hurt you deeply. And I said to him, look, if you, if you don't, people will start to talk. They will start saying, you're the father. You'll bring shame upon yourself and shame upon your family. You will lose your reputation. You will lose your purity. No one would want to have anything to do with you. Joseph was like, I know, I know, but, but still, what about Mary and the baby? They, they, they will, they'll be destitute. They will have nothing. They will be out on the street. They might even get stoned to death. I can't do that to Mary. I was like, who cares about that tart and her bastard baby? They will get what they deserve. But I could still see he was torn. Finally, he, he did do the honorable thing. And he decided to divorce her. But rather than dragging her out to the village gate and divorcing her publicly in front of all the elders of the village and shaming her publicly in front of the whole village, he decided to divorce her quietly in front of only two or three witnesses. Apparently, he didn't want to expose her to the torment of public disgrace. I couldn't believe it. After all, the, all she's done, the way she's hurt him so deeply, he still wanted to show her compassion. But she wouldn't be able to escape public disgrace completely. Everybody knew what she had done. So I just said to him, Look, Joseph, just make sure you get all your money back from her father. It's a lot harder to get your money back if you divorce someone quietly. But then when I, just, when I, I thought things just couldn't get any worse, I then discover that he's decided... Not to divorce her, but to marry her and to keep the bastard baby as his own. I was like, you, you've got to be kidding. Why would you do that? And he said he had a, he had a dream 
And there was an angel in the dream. Like, yeah, right. And that the angel told him to marry Mary because what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I was like, what? From the Holy Spirit? Are you kidding? Look, I'm married with two kids. I know how babies are made. It's got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And he was like, I know how kids are made. But the angel said, I kept straight in. How do you know it was an angel and not just your imagination? Are you willing to throw away your whole reputation on what you think an angel might have said? And he turned to me and he looked at me and he said, I know it's true. I know it was an angel. And that Mary is the virgin from Isaiah's prophecy. And the child within her is that long-awaited for Messiah. God himself. Stepping into time and space. Stepping into human history. Emmanuel. God with us. I said, you can't seriously believe that that baby is the Messiah. I mean, you're not royalty. Okay, well, you know, Joseph is a descendant of David, so I guess technically that does make him royalty. But, but you're just a poor carpenter. You, you, you're not a king. And, and, and this is a mess. This is a scandal. God would never enter into the messiness and the brokenness of humanity. No, no, no. We, 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 we first need to purify ourselves. We first need to make ourselves perfect by obeying all the laws in the Bible. And then we can earn the right to, to enter into God's presence. God doesn't stoop down to us. He doesn't lower himself down to us. He doesn't identify with our mess and enter into our mess. He doesn't become a vulnerable baby. That's absurd. Joseph said, maybe that's the whole point. We've been trying to be religious, to be perfect, to be pure, ever since our bar mitzvah. Look where it's got us. Nowhere. The Romans are still ruling over us. My life is still a mess. I'm still in this mess. I don't need more religion. I don't need more rules. I need a savior. I need God's presence with me. I need God to come down and rescue me. Maybe that's why the angel told me to call him Jesus. I was like, what? You're going to call the baby Jesus? Look, there's nothing wrong with the name Jesus. It's a very good Jewish name. It's the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew Joshua or Yeshua. But I said, but, but you don't have any Yeshuas in your family. So why would you call the baby Jesus? And, and, and he said, well, the angel told me to call him Jesus because he will save his people 
from their sins. And I was like, well, I don't need anyone to save me from my sins. I'm, I'm a religious guy. I'm an honorable guy. I, I obey every single law in the Bible. People respect me. I don't need anyone's help. And Joseph once again looked at me and said, Are you sure? Are you sure? You don't need God's presence in your life? Are you sure you don't need God to come and rescue you? Of course I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure. I think I'm sure. It, it, it's just that Joseph seems so convinced. And he was willing to throw away his whole reputation based on this being true. But it couldn't be true, could it? I mean, sure, God can be present with us in a, in a general, in an abstract way. But not in a, a concrete and tangible way. Not present with us in the flesh as a human. As a baby? I mean, is that even possible? Well, I guess if the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning, creating all things, then, then I guess a virgin birth isn't beyond the bounds of possibilities for the Holy Spirit. But what would that mean? I guess that would mean that God is finally intervening. That God is stepping into time and space, stepping into human history in order to sort out the world, renew it, restore it, redeem it, save it. I guess that means that God doesn't just love us from afar, that He's not aloof, He doesn't remain distant, but He identifies with us and enters into our mess in order to save us. I guess it means that our salvation isn't dependent on how good I am, but it's only dependent on how good He is. And that this salvation is a gift from God. And, and the gift is God giving Himself to us as a baby. I guess this means that there's nothing I need to do to earn God's favor by being religious or by being pure or perfect because He already loves me. He loves me so much that He became a baby. Wow. Imagine that. The all-powerful God, the infinite God, the God who flung stars into outer space and created the whole universe becomes a vulnerable baby 
who needs to be fed and have his nappy changed. Because he loves us. Could this be true? I'll tell you one thing. If you believe, if you truly believe this to be true, if you step out in faith and put your faith and trust in this Savior child, I'll tell you one thing. You'll lose your reputation. I said to Joseph, if you go through with this, I'm warning you now. People will gossip. You'll be public humiliated. You'll be disgraced. Are you prepared for that? And Joseph said, Come what may, I know this is the truth. And I cannot deny the truth. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 24 to 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe and wonder at the miracle of the birth of Jesus. That you loved us that much. That you loved us so much. That you did something that we simply cannot comprehend. We cannot fully understand. But we just stand in awe and wonder and we worship you. We thank you that you reached out to us. That we don't have to become perfect. That you loved us so much that you came and you died for us. And Father, this Christmas time we want to receive that love afresh. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.